Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm well, Pam. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to be back in your office and to talk to you again. You know, you do such a good job, Rob, of talking about conversations that matter. Like, were you always this way? I do not think I have always been this way, but thank you for <laughs> the encouragement. Well, you know, it's, I think that uh, anytime you can find someone who has an interest in a variety of topics, but particularly about issues of faith and generations, I think that that's awesome. So, Well, thank you. Um, I don't know, Rob, have I ever even talked to you about the second book I wrote a couple years ago? You got a friend in me? <laughs> I think we've talked about we it. We have? <laughs> yeah, okay. a little bit. The only reason I bring it up is that it was that book that really got me listening a lot more closely to younger people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I, I just didn't that. know if we ever talked about we that We haven't really all. talked about, we talked more about the title than we talked about the content <laughs> of the book. <laughs> because that's what that's what seems to matter to everyone is the title. Remember, well, we went around and around on it, remember? Gosh, I actually don't remember that I pulled you in on that. Yeah, oh yeah. You remember you had several meetings about it with different kinds of people. Because oh, you were really struggling with it. It was yeah. really, yeah, well, the publisher pulled this one out, right. so. But anyway, yeah. that's, well, I was thinking about how our last two conversations that we've had about why faith matters and... Um, you brought up a lot of really good points on how the culture um, affects our identity and how we've, you know, bought into the uh, just the social media and our constant need to look our best and kind of branding ourselves and all of that. But I, I only mentioned the the other book because it was during those interviews that I was kind of caught off guard by how much uh, the way you and I in you know, let's say people over 40. Are you even over 40, Rob? <laughs> believe it or not. I'm going to be 47. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, know. I can't believe your, it either. Your, your kids keep you young. They do. Um, but how we talk about our faith and how we talk about spirituality and Christianity and following Jesus is really impacting mm. um, how um, people after us, like our children and their friends and even your children at the mm -hmm. ages that they are, they they don't they remember what we're saying mm -hmm. and how they feel about when we talk about um, spiritual life and so that's why this what we're talking about here I think really is so important and I thought if you were up for it we would do like um, we would I would give you a premise I'd give you a statement and I thought it's a kind of a generalized statement and then I thought we could create an argument for and against it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I figured you were up for it. All right. So here's my statement, Rob. I believe that you and I are seeing an entire generation of Christians who equate a sense of failure as a lack of faith. So their human perspective of becoming and being successful trumps a godly perspective of living as a person of faith. Hmm. So the church has somehow sent a message that the gospel is Jesus plus your ability to be perfect. Hmm. So that's my premise. Interesting. And when I say talk about the church, by the way, I think that that can sound, you know, like so big and so way out there. But I think you and I are the church. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone who says that they follow Jesus, they represent the church. Right. But I also want to be really clear that I love the church. And I never want to criticize it, but I think that there's always room for improvement. Hmm. So I want to just say that up front for sure. But um, but I, I've been thinking a lot about how 
and I'm kind of wondering what you think about this, but you know, what does it look like to defend the faith today? Hmm. To defend it, like when you think about if if you and I are even going to talk about this about young people or I mean even our people our own age who might think that success is what equals faith, um, and we want to go in and we want to talk about that. Um, if we're going to say let's defend the faith, like does that sound like we want to have an argument, like we want to debate, or does that or does that make it sound like I want to have a relationship with you? Well, that's interesting. I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the difference between defending the faith and defending the church. Oh. Because it seems like what's going on today is people are trying to defend the church and what the church is doing or not doing, mm-hmm. whereas the faith is a whole different uh, thing to, in some respects, right? Because it's a set of beliefs and, uh, and behaviors, let's say according to those beliefs, principles, and, and whatnot. Whereas the church, um, you you hear a lot of, of criticism about the church. Yeah. And of course, when we talk about the church, it's a very general term. Right. But for the most part, it's the people who make it up. And, and kind of what you're, you're suggesting is this idea that now that um, part of what it means to be part of the church is I need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And... That actually has nothing to do with the faith, right? The faith assumes that you're not perfect. That that's part of the whole notion is that you're not perfect. Okay, but let me go back just a okay, second. Okay, go ahead. Don't you believe though that even I agree with you that the that faith, defending the faith and defending the church might be two different you know, approaches yeah. or topics, but wouldn't you say that the, it's the church's responsibility to guard, to protect, and to further the faith? Oh, I would totally agree with so that. So I guess in that sense, I don't know if I can separate them, but I, I'm i open to that, but I guess I see them as married. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's true. The difference is, is that I think the faith is a pure thing, right? It's the mm-hmm. measuring rod. Whereas mm. the church is not. No, it's are imperfect people. Yeah, it's imperfect people. Mm. Um, and so if you conflate the two, and this is what I think happens. People okay. say, I hate the church. Yes. And um, that's not the same thing as saying, I hate the faith. That's saying mm. their particular experience mm. with a part of the church might justifiably be bad or be hurtful. Mm -hmm. But if you conflate it with the faith, then you throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that is a lot of what's happened, Mm. is people have had a very negative experience. Yes. And then they jettison the faith. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's important to keep the two separate. But to your point, the church has a huge responsibility in promulgating the faith and and defending it, as you said. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I thought we could explore today. Um, a little bit. I'm very, when sometimes I think about, you know, Pam, why are you doing this? You know, why don't you just spend your time doing other things? But I have to tell you that two of my greatest passions are for all of us to have more certainty about the foundation of our faith. Like mm-hmm. I even have to, I'm like, what am I sure about? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure about a lot, I got to tell you. But in terms of my faith, right. I I really believe that that's a gift God has given me from an early age. 
And I so want to talk about that with all kinds of people, mm. that certainty of faith in Jesus, not just faith in anything, but in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the second reason that I want to talk about these things is I want to know how we can encourage confidence in in my children, in young people, in my peers, that the scriptures have a divine authority. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because if we ha if we don't see that as, you know, if we don't have confidence about that, we're not going to go to it. We're just going to criticize it or we're just going to keep it at an arm's length. So I'm, that's one where I want, that's why I want to talk about this because if, if we can understand how the church is giving identity to faith, to the scriptures, I think it'll build confidence in maybe like getting closer to it a little more, closer to scripture. Yes, yes. And, and I would, the first thing that came to my mm -hmm. mind when you were rolling th this part out mm -hmm was the idea that it's really important to start with what you know hmm. rather than all the things that you don't know. Hmm. So I, I run into that a lot with, when people have questions about their faith. Mm -hmm. they, get really, um, they get really wrapped up in the parts that they don't know. And then, again, it's kind of the bringing the two together like we were with the church and faith. Then they throw the whole thing out. Hmm. And it's like, well, why don't you start first with what you know? And then you work your way out to the things that you don't know. Because like what that. you may discover, what I discover, is that those things that you're not certain about mm -hmm. aren't as important as the things that you are certain about. So I think that's an important part because in our culture, we look at things in a very atomistic way. So we mm -hmm. look at these real individual things and we get fixated on them. Mm -hmm. and, and social media is a lot like that, right? Yes. We focus on the particulars. And then we ignore, it's, it's, the, it's the whole analogy of focusing on the gnat and swallowing the camel. Okay, it's yeah. like, think about the things that you know, hmm. right? So first you start with, do, do you believe God exists? Right, that's Because right. If, if you do, then mm -hmm. that really impacts a lot of things that you're going to encounter, mm -hmm. right? That's right. But if you start with, you know, particulars that you're not certain about, mm -hmm. you know, let's pick any number of cultural issues. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't change the bigger facts that you are certain about. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, that's something that I've noticed has been helpful as I've talked to people who struggle in their faith is that they take this tiny thing and then all of a sudden, it can knock down this big thing. And mm -hmm. you're like, well, wait a second. You have all these good reasons for believing this mm -hmm. big thing. How does this little tiny thing that you don't even know about, really, you're uncertain about, affect the certainty of the other things? Well, and so I guess that's what makes me ask the question, how do we nurture then what you are certain about? Mm. Like, and as a church, how do we nurture that? Mm -hmm. So going back to this, the kind of the premise that I started off with, um, that we're equating a sense of failure as a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm basically saying that we we have this perspective that I've got to be successful, and if I'm if my life is successful, then I must have God's favor. I must be a person who's good standing with the Lord. Yeah. You know. So let's just talk a little bit that about that. Crazy, yeah. What are ways that, um, first of all, that that message has come from? Uh, the, the institutional church. Well, I think the church has stopped teaching the Bible. Oh, okay. I mean, because think about it. The Bible is so clear, hmm. so clearly uh, um, 
uh, against that entire idea, right? I mean, you can think about stories uh, in the Bible where Jesus is asked questions about, wow, why is this person blind? Is it because of what they did or because right, of something right. their, parents their parents did? did. Yeah, right. like it's this sort of concept of earning everything. Yep. Like you're either worthy or you're not worthy. Like yep. the whole idea of the rich man not being able to get into heaven mm-hmm. is they believe like, well, the reason people are rich is because God, God blesses them. them. And so that's if, prosperity. So if they can't get into heaven, who can? Right. And Jesus right. has a simple answer. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Without me. Again. That's right. Yeah. And so it's mm. starting. These are basic tenets of the faith that have been addressed thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, we're still struggling with it. Well, we're struggling with it, but why? And and one mm-hmm. of the reasons why, and this goes back to the sermon yesterday mm-hmm. at church, is we're not telling the story that was passed down to us. And when you fail to um, teach the history, mm-hmm. you repeat the problems. Mm. So what has happened in the church? Well, clearly, we have failed to tell the stories and remember them and pass them on, which goes to some of the statistics about biblical literacy. Right. And so right. we shouldn't be surprised that these problems are creeping back up again. Mm-hmm. Because we have a whole history of this happening, right? Um, and and so we're kind of repeating history, and which is very what I I agree with that. But I'd like I guess I kind of want to challenge you on something a little bit. So you and I go to a church where we do teach the scriptures. The scriptures are taught. I hear it from the pulpit. I I know that w- what our church believes. And I've visited a lot of churches here in the Portland area, and I hear the scriptures being taught. So I guess I'm thinking there's something even more um, subtle going on mm. with that. And here's what I what I believe. I think we teach that, but then somehow in our conversations with people, we're still not we're still coming across so capable, so independent that we're not admitting our own need and dependence on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so those stories are, are good, and I think we need to teach the scriptures. But uh, Barna came out with um, some research, um, I'm not sure, maybe a month or so ago, about how young, young non-Christians talk about spiritual matters a lot more than older adults. And what I thought was interesting is, is that they're very curious about spirituality, in particular Christianity. They want to hear more. Mm-hmm. But the way that it that that it influences them more than hearing a sermon is that one-on-one relationship. Mm-hmm. They said they would be far more interested um, and far more engaged if someone were to talk about their faith one-on-one, which we know this. But so I, I guess what I'm saying is even in that one-on-one, are we... Um, still showing, kind of like what you're saying, for thousands of years we've been telling these stories, but I wonder if we're telling our own stories in a way that's like, well, I finally got my act together, and now I'm growing in my faith. Mm-hmm. Are we telling it that way? Mm-hmm. Are we telling the story of, it's by God's grace, I failed, but Jesus showed up time and time and time again. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe we're, we're too capable we're, or we're at least expressing that we're too capable, and that's sending the message to people that's saying, what do you need faith for if you've got it all figured out? 
Well, I would say a couple of things. Um, one, we're not even having the conversation mm. because we don't, uh, we're not even relating to each other. Oh. So um, David Brooks just had an excellent TED Talk come out about oh. his second, uh, part of his second book. Okay. And basically what he said was he was lonely. He said, here, here's what happened is he hmm. was wildly successful. If you don't know who David Brooks is, he's a political right. pundit. He's yes. on TV every excellent day. Excellent writer. Excellent mm-hmm. writer. Has become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he noticed was, is on the weekends, um, he was just absolutely alone. Hmm. And, he, and so he c- cites all of these statistics on the increase of isolation. Okay. And uh, the increases in anxiety and suicide. Mm. And he's correlated with that, you mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. And this is well-researched. Right, right, right. So let's take it back to the church. Okay. Okay. The church is a relational body. Yes. But there's a couple interesting facts. Um, One is, how do you count church attendance? (laughs) Well, now it's like once every six weeks is considered a regular church attendance. Right. So... When we come to these ideas about, mm. uh, do we teach the Bible? Well, sure, we teach the Bible at yep. church. But yep. when it comes to the conversation, when does that ever happen? So how do you get the your, how do you get your relational needs met? Well, mm. you get them met online, right? Which is not satisfying. Yeah, and what do you see? Perfection. Perfection. Right. So that's a lie. That's it's an good. image, yeah. right? Yep. And and so the church is an embodiment of mm. Christ. Um, and it's so necessary. So David Brooks ends his talk mm-hmm. about this sort of um, uh, way of experiencing joy. He, he mm. distinguishes between happiness and joy, oh, right? Okay. Happiness is a fleeting emotion. Okay. Joy is ongoing, is ongoing. It's fulfilling. And mm. joy can be had in the midst of struggle, mm. right? Which is a biblical concept. Mm. And he says basically, and he points to the fact that, you know, your faith Hmm. It has a big role in this, mm-hmm. but then your community, and it's not just any community, it's a community of um, authenticity. Hmm. Now, in the church, we're not super authentic. Maybe we can pretend to be authentic mm-hmm. from the pulpit, mm-hmm. but when we get together, if we get together, mm-hmm. w- we don't get together enough. So when we do get together, mm-hmm. it's fairly superficial, mm-hmm. and you don't have a whole lot of time to go deep, mm-hmm. and nobody's set up to share their faith, right? So I think this is part of the problem. So you have a whole younger generation. They're not hearing people talk about That's their right. faith. That's right. And so it's not surprising that they're so interested because they actually don't know anything about it. <laughs> right. And and people are talking about that. They're like, good. young people now don't have basic concepts about Christianity. Whereas when we were growing up, we lived in a Judeo-Christian culture where this stuff permeated the culture. That's right. And as we talked about last time, I didn't have a million different choices and options where, you know, in terms of hearing different teachings. Mm -hmm. And now you can, which is, that can be good, but it also can you can infiltrate false teaching into that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So that's where, again, going back to our young people, their their curiosity is great. Mm-hmm. It's so strong. And so how are we going to defend the faith of Jesus in this new, you know, atmosphere? 
Yeah, well, I think you've probably heard this before that people don't care what you say and uh, right. care what you know. And, they know that you care. Uh, yeah, right? know that you yeah, care. absolutely. Well, I think there is a reason for that phrase um, that people want to first know that you actually care. Hmm. And, and what does that look like? I think caring at you know the lowest level is being intentional about connecting to people relationally. Okay, so to think about our the students here at our mm-hmm. university who have tell who have told me over and over that they'll go into a church and they might, either they're ignored or they just can't get involved or mm-hmm. so what are what is a practical way that that if you're going to step into a house of worship that we can start building a relationship with someone who may not come back the next week. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think people come back when they feel connected. Hmm. And um, it, it's the reason why we do anything, right? Is yeah, that we, we feel, feel wanted. We feel wanted. We hmm. feel a connection. Hmm. And I think what the church needs to do, the church is still operating in the old way. Okay, what's the old way? The old way is you go to church. <laughs> you just show up. Yeah, you show up. Okay. Right? Um, and w- when you think about, like, let's say design thinking, uh, mm. the first part of the design thinking process is empathizing. So when when you describe uh, a, a student, let's mm-hmm. say, um, and you're empathizing with them, yes. they don't feel connected and they're struggling, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, as a church, what we need to do is say, okay, it sounds like there's some problems. You def- you defined a few of those problems. Okay. I come, nobody welcomes me, right. I don't know what to do, and I don't know if I should come back because right. I don't feel like they want me here. Right. Well, then you start designing solutions to that, but that's going to mean changing. Now, what you see some of the church doing is podcasting everything okay. or, or I'm or sorry podca- or, or app putting it on an app so you, you right. can go to our church via an app right and somebody was sharing this with me the other day and there was this ad for it and they're like look at you can connect with all these people and they show all these people worshiping and they show some <laughs> right. but the interesting thing about it is nobody's on their phone so they're telling the person huh. you can be on your phone watching other people not be on their phone and oh. still be part of our church and you can't. No, no. So, so these poor people are disenfranchised. So now huh. the church is basically saying, go form your identity on your own. Right. And that's a very lonely feeling. Well, and it's also, to, to your earlier point, yeah. you're letting them go. Yes. And you're saying, take whatever influences come your way right. and go figure it out yourself. Yeah. And, and then you mm-hmm. wonder, well, why do you think we're losing generations? Right. Because we're just casting them off. Yes, and I agree. And you know what's interesting, Rob? You'll find it. You'll you'll like to know that um, in the book of Jude and where it talks about defend the faith, mm-hmm. contend for the faith. Contend, the, yes. The actual Greek for that is agonize. Mm-hmm. So I think we need, as a church, how can we agonize to, to bring them in to connect with people to say, we really want to know you. Like, what can we, how can I listen deeply to you? Agonize over it, mm-hmm. not just come up with a new program. Yes, yes, absolutely. And are we, maybe part of the agony is saying, I've got to let go of the old and be open to the new. Maybe that's part of the agony. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of it is the people in church need to get re-engaged with their own faith. Because mm. when you start to discover 
your faith and mm -hmm. and take every thought captive. Because yes. right now people are That's right. afraid. They're afraid of conversations because they are ill prepared for them. And I well, think... Well, hold on just a second, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you why that, that's happening. Because of now we're, we're talking back out about culture again, but there's a, there's a fear that if I speak out about, if I really believe that, if, let's take one side, I really believe that Scripture teaches that marriage is only between a man and a woman. And then someone else has taken a stand and said, no, I believe marriage can be between. And so they both feel so strongly about this. But if they step up and speak it out and someone comes against them, you know, that's a real, that's a real war. Yeah. And who says that it has to go the way that we fear it will go, right? I mean, it's like you could, you could use all kinds historically. Mm-hmm think about Christians have been the min minority right. through much of their history, right? And um, so what you're describing is a problem. Yes. Okay. So you say, okay, well, let's design a solution to this problem. I really loved what Rick Warren said. He said, hey, look, um, we need to do some work on demonstrating how if I disagree with you, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I hate you. That's right. Okay? I agree. That's an interesting insight. So you'd say, okay, well now how do we prepare the church mm -hmm. to make that case, right? To say, well, here's why we can't get into this argument because there's a belief that if I disagree with you, mm -hmm. that I hate you. That's okay, right. then that seems to be the first step is to take that cap thought, that, that, thought that, I, that thought captive and say, all right. But again, going back to this idea that we're not preparing people to um, confront the challenges mm -hmm. that the church is facing. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is we're trying to do business as usual That's and right. expect a different result. Well, maybe we're trying to please too many people. Yeah, I, I think what we're doing is we're living in fear. We're right? Living, you, okay. you gave the example. You, you literally said the word fear. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the scripture, mm -hmm. that, that's the one command we're given the most is do not be afraid. Right? That's right. And Do not be dismayed. But That's we right. are a fearful group. Group. Very fearful. Yeah, we're very fearful. And again, going back to the idea of not fearing, why? Because we have faith. Mm. But when you don't have a solid grasp of that faith, you're not going to be strong in fearful times. That's right. So I think there's so some... We need to. You're saying like even even yeah. you and I. Yeah. We need to... What the... What is it? Our, what do we believe? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. what the church yeah. is tending yeah. to do is externalize its problem. Hmm. It's say, man, there's a problem out there. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. There's a problem in, in here. here. With us. Yeah. Yeah. What we should always be looking at as a church is say, oh, there's a problem out there? Good. Guess what we do? We solve problems. Yes, we do. <laughs> But now... And we listen. Yeah, we listen. We're good at this. We're good at listening. But not anymore. No. Right. So how... Let's, so that, so that's, this is exactly what I see. This is what I feel. So how do we even take one step toward restoring this? I, I think it's become the person you need to be. Um, again, going back to externalizing, um, we have to ask ourselves, each one of us, to say, am I the person I need to be that so that God can use me the way he needs to use me? And I think that is really the journey that we're all on, is mm. becoming the kind of person mm. that we need to be. And that may be 
what do I need to know about my faith? What do I need to be reminded about mm -hmm. my faith? And, and going back to something you said earlier, hmm. it's not enough to teach the Bible. No, I love the I love the scriptures and yeah, I love your teaching. It's but super you're important. Right. It's but, not enough. But what our history did was mm -hmm. repeat the teachings we must have on the forefront mm. of our mind. Hmm. so that they don't get into the background and eventually be forgotten. Well, that's right. I mean, that's basically how that's how false teaching gets into our minds, into Absolutely. the church, into everyone. Um, so I was thinking about how just this... I was just thinking about how... Remember how last time we talked about how we've complicated the faith? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... One of the first things that when I see a solution to this is to just talk about Jesus <laughs> and who he is. Yes. Recreate the wheel. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is what we have done a lot. Okay. This is why you see a lot of people migrating to higher, higher church. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is they want the moorings, the foundation. So we went, we went in this massive non-denominational mode mm -hmm. and guess what it got us? Mm -hmm. A lot of shallow people. It got us in trouble. Mm -hmm. A lot of trouble. And it kind of goes back to um, arguments that people like Jordan Peterson are making to say, hey, there's a reason why we need to pay attention to these ancient truths truths mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they're hard won. Yes. There's a reason why they persist and none of the other ones did. Yeah, that's right. And what we what we do is we repeat the mistakes as we started out this conversation. We're repeating mistakes. So we repeat the Apostles' Creed every month, yes. right? When we do mm -hmm. communion at yep. our church. Why? Because we have to remind ourselves mm -hmm. who we are and who God is. And we're not doing that enough in mm -hmm. our churches. And so what we're doing is we're trying to say, oh, just Jesus. <laughs> well, what does that even right. mean? Who is he? Yeah. There's 2,000 years of theology mm -hmm. of people working out some serious stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I think uh, you and I have talked about, or maybe independently mm -hmm. uh, with Joseph, is the church is dealing with major issues, right? That's right. Each generation. Each generation. Each generation. And ours is, what does it mean to be a human being? Mm -hmm. Which what, goes to your point that's exactly of identity. Right, of identity. Yeah. What does it mean to have a body? Remember, he brought that yeah. up about how that's kind of our, our, our conflict for today. Absolutely. Is the body. Absolutely. And guess what? The church has answered that question. Yes. Think of all the catechisms we that's have. That's right. Right? The first Created thing in the, in the, the Heidelberg yeah. catechism is, you are not your own. <laughs> that's right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, question, answer. And you yeah. think about the hunger right now. Mm -hmm. Bring the catechisms out. I mean, if mm -hmm. anything, th what the church should do yeah. is say, hey, why don't we bring up? It's like, you remember when the law was rediscovered? <laughs> yes, right. Yes. You should write That's a right. whole book on that. Because yeah. it, everyone ripped their clothes off yeah, saying, like, I've never heard this before. Why didn't you tell me? And that's exactly what this generation is saying. And everyone fell to their faces in deep repentance. Yeah. So, I mean, think of the yeah, opportunity we have right now. That's right. The opportunity is bring, bring out, it out the good stuff that's been there for yeah. thousands of years, and these kids will eat it yes, up. Yes, I agree. And with that, I think that they'll, they'll want to know the person of Christ. Yeah. And they'll, And we can then say... Faith is a gift that you don't have to earn. 
Yes. But then once you accept it, once you receive it, then then we have a different conversation. Yeah, so so the the phenomenon in Jordan Peterson is simply this, he said. I'm telling young people, you have a responsibility. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's right. when you roll out the faith, what what, yeah. is, what the faith tells you is, is you, have you have a, a responsibility. responsibility. That's right. And then people go, wow, I have a responsibility. I have a purpose. It we matters. We're not telling them this. Yeah. And we're not saying, look, what is Jesus? What is his whole vision? Mm-hmm. It's to bring heaven to mm-hmm. earth through the body mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you look back in history mm-hmm. and see when the church is doing that. And mm-hmm. guess what? That's when St. Augustine used to say, you want an argument for God? <laughs> the church. church. That's right. <laughs> right? Now, we can no longer say that to a degree. It's still true that we can point to it. But we, we, we can point to it like when people say, look at this West... Borough church, right, you know. Right, right, right. Well, we well, can say that's well, yeah, look. that's outlandish. But it's an extreme example. Yeah. But at the same time, the faith demarcates that mm. from the church mm-hmm. of Christ. That's true. Right. That's true. But you have to know what the faith is. Right. And that's where I think roll out the catechisms. Yeah. The, the, but, but keep it simple. Yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to put. See, here's the thing. We do not want to put legalism back into this Rob. but here's what we here's but see okay let's let's get into that okay okay because i when i went to seminary over 20 okay. some odd years ago okay. right i just remember the legalism specter <laughs> right that was our that was what we grew up in yes exactly and so but what i want to say is like I remember the bumper sticker. It's not about what was it? Not about religion. It's about a relationship, relationship right, right? Right. Bull. <laughs> it is about religion. The reason why? What is religion? Well, wait a minute. Wait, well, what do you mean by religion? Yeah, You're exactly. A set of rules. Yeah, religion is a set of beliefs about well, a higher power. It's it's it's. I mean, I looked it up in the dictionary, okay. and it's actually. It's a difficult thing for people to agree on. Okay. But at its gen, like when we say I religiously do something, right. what does that, that mean? Means habitual. It means every day. It, it means, means I'm dedicated. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we used to say okay. I religiously watch X. Right. Which means right. in the old days I showed up at a certain time to watch a television show. Now I can <laughs> now watch we- it whenever <laughs> I want. Right. Right. So it is about a religion. Of Jesus Christ. Yes. Right? Right. So when we go back to the catechism, you know, and there's a lot of different catechisms. Right. right? They are actually super simple. That's true. But what they do is they say, like, it used to be the case, like, when you reach a certain age, you understand all these basic things. Well. Right? Yeah. If you were raised in in a church that did that. Now we have half-formed adults that's right in the church that's right they don't know anything about their faith no, that's right so we can't expect them to pass We're a very anything secular on. culture now they are growing up in a very secular yeah because atmosphere. part of what we were trying to do is look i don't know if you ever remember rodney clapp's book of peculiar people yes yes so he wrote that at a very interesting time because mm. what he was lamenting of course mm. i hated how he ended the book with basically like, i'm a postmodernist, right which is part of the problem mm-hmm. Um, because that is not of our faith, right? Mm. We believe in truth, getting yes, back to your yes. earlier comment. Yes. But a peculiar people was the idea that the church should look different. Yes, it shouldn't it, it look should. like everybody else. It shouldn't be the case that you go to church and say, oh, wow, that was nothing like church. It's like, well, what does that actually mean? Now, what you would hope it looks like 
is that it looks inspiring. Like I think about our church for me personally. Yeah. What my church does is it centers me. And that's, but that's their mission and that's their goal. Yeah. Well, that's the mission of the church is to remind me in part. That's right. Who Re- I am. Remember where we've come from. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. God is. Right. 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 And so anyway, it's these Which we should tell things. our listeners that we go to a Presbyterian church that's pretty liturgical. Well, so, it's, it's, I, w- I wouldn't go so, f- yeah, it has it, a, it has elements of it's liturgy. higher, yeah. It's a little higher. Yeah, it's not yeah. super high. But I would call it liturgical, but well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is for some people, it would seem high church. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. But yes, I agree. It centers us. And that's really what, that's really the purpose of church. But you can express it any way that, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's sure. the beauty of living in a free country. But notice how these, remember the emerging church they used yes, to call it? Yes, yes. What do they start doing? They start bringing candles and they, they start bringing the old church back. Yes, they did. To, right? to remember, to help them remember. Yeah. And that was part of Dan Kimball's whole that's idea right. of vintage yes. faith was bringing Bring stuff, stuff forward that's right. from the Symbols. past. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a reason for these things. These things matter. They have reason. Now, you can lose the meaning over time and say, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know why we do this anymore. Why is it? Why? We don't even notice that mm. the priests change or the pastors change their vestments. Mm. But there was a reason for that. Mm-hmm. The reason was to say it's Easter's coming, right? Or the birth of Christ is and coming. And that's the reason why we've chosen to go to the church we go to. Yeah, yeah. Is because it recognizes church history and it honors it. Yeah, and we and we are and in that communion. gives us identity. Yes. yes, and it and we are in communion. We're on the doing calendar. That to get, yes, we're on the church calendar. But that's not for everyone. Mm-mm. Can we just maybe end of reasons why six ways that faith pleases God. Hmm. I wonder if we could just end with that and maybe pick that up next time with a, with our guest. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, for anyone who, wherever you are in your faith, um, I want to be positive and encouraging about pursuing faith and because I think it matters. So there's six ways that faith pleases God. One, it gives us a correct view of ourselves, and you've said that several times today. But second, it places us in a proper place before our Creator. And what I, when I say that, I think that's the antidote to jealousy and envy. Hmm. When you place yourself properly before the Creator, it's as if he, for that moment you know that you have a purpose that is like no one else in this world. And I really believe it's the antidote to envy. Hmm. Um, a third way faith pleases God is it forces us to wrestle with what binds us, shackles us, you know, whether it's doubt or cultural expectations or voices and roles and prejudices. If we're really honest, we all have prejudices. Mm -hmm. So what faith does for every one of us, wherever you are on the spectrum, is it forces you to wrestle with anything that becomes more important than God. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, A fourth way that faith pleases God is it frames our feelings and motivations about God, because it is all about him mm-hmm. you know how do right. i feel about him what right. am i thinking about him uh, a fifth it uses our ability to take responsibility which you said earlier to keep our minds on god mm-hmm. it is our responsibility to do that you know i i know people who think well god knows what i'm thinking he knows where i am if he wants me he can come find me well once you accept that that grace of of that grace gift of faith I mean, it, you don't have to do anything to earn it, but once you say yes to Jesus, that is a decision, mm-hmm. and it's a responsibility. Um, and then sixth, I believe that faith pleases God because it takes a stand against the enemy's schemes. And in 
What I see a lot with the enemy getting involved with is self-obsession and self-loathing. So we can go one, I mean, there's all kinds of ways, which is a whole nother topic of conversation of how the enemy is constantly, persistently warring against us. Oh, and this goes to our conversation that we had before. Okay. The podcast in Genesis chapter three, where Satan says, did, did he really, really say that? Yeah. And I, I feel like that, what is new, right? Yeah. What is new? Did he really say that? Well, the church throughout history has tried to affirm, here is what God said. Yes. And here is what we need to remind ourselves okay. and our children and every generation that comes, these basic things. So let's, let's, let's practice that even in our, <laughs> like in our everyday life this week and see, you know, just talk to the people who are closest to us. Hmm. So thanks, Sounds Rob. Good. Yeah, thank you, Pam.